Um, now, if you will, please get your Bible out, um, open to the book of John, John chapter six. Uh, the title of this sermon is Feasting on the Bread of Life, Feasting on the Bread of Life. Now, going to do something a little bit different this morning, um, and we are going to just meditate and chew on and fix our attention um, on a single verse. We're going to read John six thirty five. This is such a rich verse. Normally, you know, we study the Bible verse by verse. And um, this morning, we're, we're almost studying a verse word by word because this is such a rich uh, sentence Jesus has spoken. So I'm reading uh, out of the ESV this morning, John 6, 35. Let's read that. Let's hear the voice of God together. And then we'll ask him for help. And then we will get into uh, studying his word. So John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your inerrant, powerful, living word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you provided this book, this perfect book full of your very words, God. And Holy Spirit, we just say together, we are desperate for you. Open up our minds and our ears and our hearts to hear from you, God, and to obey you and to, Lord, for some of us to be saved and others to be corrected and others just to be fed and nourished on the word of God. Lord, I so acutely feel my inadequacy to teach and explain your perfect word through my imperfect words and minds, Lord. And I'm just so thankful that you are not limited by my human limitations and my quirks and my, um, my weaknesses. In fact, Lord, I just boast in those things. I acknowledge that I am weak. We together acknowledge we are weak, um, but you are strong. And your word is true. And so we look to you, Lord. We just look to your word to lead us, to feed us, to guide us, to nourish us, to restore our souls. So Holy Spirit, please come and help us fix our eyes on Jesus, the the true word of God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it really goes without saying, but guys, what a year What a couple of years we have been through as a church. We have been through so much together. But how good has it been to do nothing else but look at Jesus together? I am so thankful for the gospel of John. And just week after week after week, we get an opportunity to just stop, to be still, and to fix our attention on Jesus. There is no better place, no better person, no better words than to study Jesus and his words. 
and it's been so rich. And as we're in this particular passage, John 6, and as Jesus is teaching on the bread of life, just the verse that we read, John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. It is, it is so packed full that I just, last week when we, when we taught it, I, I just knew I didn't even do it, not even close to what it deserves. And so together, we're just going to chew on this, uh, on this text. Now, um, Something about me, my personality, I tend to move quick. I tend to speak too quick. I tend to drive too quick. I tend to make decisions too quick. And one of the things, if you've ever hung out with me, is I eat really quick. I just want to get through it. Um, and uh, when I was growing up and I, I was hanging out with my grandparents, they noticed this about me, that I would eat too quickly. And um, they're, they're my Mexican grandparents. And they would say, mijo, mijo, stop, take a bite. Now close your eyes and just chew on it and just eat it so slow and notice the flavors and notice the textures. And so I would do that as a little boy. I would sit there and I would like chew so slow. And then, you know, when they stopped doing that, I would just continue to go back on and just, no, mijo, 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 stop. Close your eyes. And they would do this to me to just teach me to slow down, teach me to enjoy something and, Together, that is what we are going to do on this verse, on this, this rich verse. If, if you will, um, it's like a loaf of bread that we're looking at right now. And it's, and we're just going to just take a moment and just, just slowly like break it apart and listen to the cracks of the crust and listen and smell that steam coming up and even feel the warmth. And, and maybe we'll put a little butter on there and we'll just take a bite and we'll just slowly chew and think about the goodness in this passage. So we're gonna break this down into, into three points for you if you're a note taker. <clears throat> First, we're gonna look at the, the richness of the bread of life. Second, we're gonna hear the invitation to eat the bread of life. And then third, we're gonna, we're gonna notice the satisfaction that the bread of life provides. So the, the richness of the bread of life, the invitation to eat the bread of life, and then the satisfaction the bread of life provides. So first, let's just take a moment. Let's look at that first bit uh, that first phrase and let's notice the richness of the bread of life. So verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now, Jesus chose his metaphor with with purpose. And he used the word bread. Of all the things to say what he was like, he chose the word bread. Now, I know bread has fallen on hard times lately and many of you are gluten-free and I understand that we don't all eat bread, but I can tell you this, we all wish we could eat bread. I've never met a person who says, you know what, I don't like bread. I don't like it, I don't like cake, I don't like toast, I don't like pizza. I don't like pasta. Yeah, I visited Italy, but I didn't eat any bread. We're not like that. Everybody likes bread. And do you know what's amazing about bread is it's available to everybody. It doesn't matter how rich you are or how poor you are. It doesn't matter where in the world you live. There are always, there's always uh, bread in every culture. 
In every class, there is bread. And there may not be something so accessible and so enjoyable, something that we eat so constant every day as we, as we eat bread. And if you take even one step further, Jesus is saying, I'm not just like that. I'm not just available and enjoyable and what you should eat every day and for every class and for every culture. If, if you know how bread is made, bread goes through quite a process from this seed that even Jesus says that must fall into the ground and it must die. And then it begins to grow and it, and it bears this stock and then it bears fruit and then this grain is there and then the grain is picked and then the grain has to be utterly crushed down, broken down and then mixed into dough. And then it has to be baked in hot fire. So it, it dies and then it's crushed and then it's put through fire. And then even once it's a loaf of bread, most people don't just pick up a loaf and eat it. Generally it's cut or it's broken again. And then it's put into your mouth and it's crushed down again. That, that whole process is this brutal process that bread goes through to nourish us. And Jesus is saying, I'm like that. I'm like that. I came and I died and I was crushed and I went through fire, the very holiness of God on the cross, but I rose again. And if anyone comes to me, they can find nourishment. Jesus used that word with intention. I am bread. And and then he goes on to say, I'm the bread of life. And what he's saying is, I'm not just bread for your body. He's saying, I'm bread for your soul. He's saying the same way your body needs daily nourishment, so your soul needs nourishment. Earlier, he goes on to say, this is true bread, or I'm bread from God. Jesus is bread that that nourishes and it feeds our soul. And, And when he uses that phrase, bread of life, he, he would evoke certain images that the Bible has already used. Um, one of the, one of the places you, a Jewish mind may go to, our minds may go to is, is the tree of life. Jesus is, is alluding to the fact that we as humans need life. Remember, even when God created Adam from dust, he breathed life. He put the breath of life into him. And then he gave him this tree, this tree of life. And those, those, um, that was communicating that people need life, that we don't have life in and of ourselves. We get our life from God. And Jesus is saying, I am like that. I'm like that tree. I'm like the fruit of the tree of life. And he would, he would later or earlier say, and I give you water of life. And now here he says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Now, if you remember the context of this conversation, Jesus is speaking to Jews who the day before Jesus provided supernaturally bread. He uh, fed over 20,000 people this bread and then he crossed the sea and then they begin to have this conversation about, are you the Messiah? And you need to prove yourself. And they bring up Moses because they said, hey, Moses not only gave us bread like you did, Jesus, he gave us bread from heaven. And they're, they're in a sense challenging Jesus. Are you as great as Moses? 
Can you give us that kind of bread? And so in the, in this conversation, they're already thinking about this bread that God gave Moses and the people of Israel that was called manna, right? This was bread from heaven, bread of God. But, but Jesus is saying, listen, what Moses did, yeah, he gave you, he gave you bread to feed your body, but, but I'm the true bread, the bread that feeds your soul. Now, I want to turn briefly, and if you want to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, this is a time when, when Moses is explaining the meaning behind why God gave manna to the people of God. And listen, it's not just to keep them alive. God had, he had a purpose in giving manna to his people. In Deuteronomy chapter eight, this is a sermon Moses is giving at the end of his life. And he's explaining to the people of God. He's, he's saying, remember what God did. And in, in Deuteronomy eight, verse three, Moses says this. He's speaking about when you were in the desert and God was leading you and he was feeding you. In verse, let's, let's begin at verse two. We'll read two and three. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Why? Here it is. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Moses is explaining, why did God let you have no food in the wilderness? And then why did he make food come out of heaven? I mean, if you think about it, he could have made food come, I don't know, he could have just led them to the promised land and they'd be eating from the land. But God was making a point with manna. He wanted the people of God to know that if God didn't show up that day, bread wouldn't show up that day. That if God didn't provide, they would die. God was proving a point saying, listen, yeah, you need bread, but do you know where bread comes from? It comes from God. And he's saying what you really needed to learn day in and day out in the wilderness is you don't just live by bread, you need God. And not just God, the way God feeds you, it says by every word that comes from God. Moses was saying, God gave you manna every day so that you would remember that you need God. And now Jesus comes along and in this context of talking about Moses and bread and manna coming from heaven, Jesus is saying, I am even better than that manna. I am the, the what, what God was trying to communicate by giving manna every single day is fulfilled in me. You need me. You need me like you need bread. And the whole point of manna back in the day was me. I am the bread of life. I am what that whole thing was all about. I am bread that gives life to your soul. Now, just to to top it all off, Jesus was born in a city called Bethlehem. And when we studied Ruth last summer, we learned, what does Bethlehem mean? It means house of bread, house 
of bread. And so Jesus was born in Bethlehem because he is the true bread, the the true source of life that God has given to the world. There is richness in this biblical concept of bread and the bread of life and what Jesus came to fulfill. We could get into the tabernacle and the show bread and and how even all the sacrifices were called the bread of God. Jesus is saying, I fulfill all of this imagery in the Bible, in the Old Testament about life and about bread. It's about me. I am the bread of God of life. And so the first thing we see is the the richness of the bread of life. Now the second thing we need to study in this text and slow down and chew on if you will. It's not only is is Jesus the bread of life, I want us to notice the invitation to eat the bread of life. Let's notice the invitation to eat the bread of life. Jesus says, "I am the bread of life." Then he goes on to say, whoever comes to me, whoever comes. Now just notice that word, whoever. Who is this bread for? Is this bread for just the people of God in the wilderness? You had to be a Jew for this bread? No. Whoever comes. Who is Jesus for? Jesus is for Whoever will come to him. He is for you. He is for the person sitting next to you, if there's someone sitting next to you. He's the person living next to you. He is for whoever will come. To any person who's ever experienced any kind of desire or lack or their soul was hungry or weary or thirsty, he says, I'm for you. I am for whoever. And, and notice the invitation. Whoever, what's the word? Whoever comes. Whoever comes. Now, grammar is significant of all the things, of all the ways God chose to communicate and reveal himself to humanity. He chose words. And the word comes is a present participle. And what that means is Whoever comes must continue to come. Whoever comes means you must not come once at a summer camp when you were in seventh grade and now you're good forever. He says, whoever comes, whoever continues to come, whoever feeds on me, because I'm like bread. Listen, you don't just eat a meal once and then say, I'm good. I never need to eat ever again. Our souls need food every day. And Jesus is saying, you should come and keep coming to me. This is the invitation Jesus is giving. I'm the bread of life and you need to come and keep coming and keep feeding on me. Now, I wanna just get really practical for us. I wanna provide five simple, doable things, five simple, doable things you can do today to feed on Jesus, to eat the bread of life. Because listen, this is, I wanna say this gently. So many people talk about the Christian life like it's a great secret. Like it is so, like like you need a special 
priest or a special teacher or a special guru or a special practice or a special book or a special revelation or you need to go off by yourself into the desert to understand what it really means to be a Christian. Listen, how did Jesus say, what did Jesus say it was all about? He said, you know what it's like? It's like eating bread. You want to know the secret to Christianity? It's about as complicated as eating bread. And so these five things are five ways the Bible is so clear. How do you eat the bread of life? What do you do to achieve this secret thing that is in Christianity? Do you know what? It's like eating bread. And he even says in this verse, whoever comes to me, and then he goes on to say, whoever believes in me. So what does it mean to come to Jesus? Well, the first practical thing, it means how do you eat the bread of life? The first practical thing is you believe in Jesus. You believe. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You don't figure out some secret. You don't go on some pilgrimage. You don't fast for all of these times and earn all this stuff. You simply believe and receive the gift that is the bread of life. To believe is like God says, here is this loaf of bread. And you say, I will receive that loaf of bread. Thank you very much. To believe is to come to Jesus. To believe is to acknowledge that I need Jesus. I need bread. I have sinned. I have gone my own way. My soul is starving. It's famished. In fact, it's dead. But if I come to Jesus and believe in him, I will find bread for my soul and I will live. It is as simple as believing in Jesus, accepting the true gospel, the invitation to believe in Jesus. What is the most important thing, the most important beginning place to eat the bread of life? It is simply to believe in Jesus, to come to Jesus. Now, there's a second way that we really practically eat the bread of life. And in fact, I want to I wanna turn back to that Deuteronomy verse because it captures it so well. So the first way we feed on Jesus is we believe in Jesus. The second way is this. We read the word of God. Look at uh, Deuteronomy 8, 3 again. He humbled you. He let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. How do you feed on Jesus? You hear the words of God. You listen to the word of God. You read the word of God. Look again at our verse. Look at the first two words in our verse. Jesus said. Jesus said. There is no greater way to hear from God than to open his word and read the word of God. This is the way the spirit of God has ordained to feed your soul. Not bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus, the word came into the world to reveal what God was like. And then he sent his very spirit 
and the spirit of God spoke through prophets of God in the Old Testament and apostles and prophets in the New Testament. And they gave us this book, the perfect, infallible, inerrant, living word of God. And this is how we live by every word of God. This is how we feed on Jesus. Jesus spoke his word and this is bread for your soul. Now listen, it's not that profound of an experience. You open the Bible and you read it and it's food for your soul. Now, Is the Bible sometimes confusing or sometimes boring or sometimes not always memorable? Sure, of course. In the same way that, listen, do you remember every meal you have ever eaten in your life? No, you you don't remember every meal, but those meals have kept you alive. That's like how the word of God is. It is this food for our soul. We probably remember a handful of meals, And you may remember a handful of times where it was like the words were jumping off the page and God was speaking straight to you and you were like, oh my gosh. We may have a few of those memories, but just because every time we eat isn't the best meal we've ever had doesn't mean we shouldn't eat. The the way to feed your soul is to simply open the Bible and read every word of God. It's simple. It's not that profound. We just need to do it. We need to open and hear God speak to us and that nourishes our soul. And it ultimately reveals Jesus, who is the word, who is the bread of life. Listen again, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And this book, the word of God that feeds our soul is all about Jesus. It's all about the bread of life. Listen, you can read this book and and think, what are 10 ways to be a a better person? And you'll find it. Or you could read this book and think, you know, what are 10 ways to be right about something? That's fine. But the point of this book, which we just read in, in John chapter five, the point of this book is to reveal Jesus to us. And so how do you feed on Jesus? Well, you open the Bible and you look for Jesus and he's there. The whole thing is about Jesus. And so the first way we feed our soul, we eat the bread of life is we believe. The second way is we eat the word of God, so to speak. The third way, let me tell you this one. You've probably heard of this one. You talk to God. You pray. You have a living relationship with God. Listen, we don't just read the Bible and say, that's some interesting information. Let me close it and store that away in the back of my head. Listen, some of the most profound ways of engaging with scripture is we pray its very promises back to God. We read, I'm the bread of life. And and then we say, God, feed my soul. I need feeding. My soul is dry and weary today. And so we engage with God. We, we, we digest the word and then we think about it and then we bring it back to God and we say, God, I need you. The fourth practical way we eat this bread is we do it in community. We need one another. We need the church. In fact, the Bible says when you come together, and that is the very context that we actually eat some bread to remind our soul of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We need one another. And again, as 
um, strange of a season as it is, as God is not allowing us to all gather like normal, we can still not forsake gathering with Christians, even if it's online, even if it's a phone call or a text or gathering as restrictions loosen in homes or whatever way it may be. But listen, you need your brothers and sisters in Christ to help you, remind you of the bread of life, to feed on him, to confess your sins, to remember what the word of God says, to remind each other, listen, though you have sinned, Jesus died for your sins and you're forgiven, you're a beloved son and daughter of God and the very spirit of God dwells within you. And so we need one another. And the last truth, now again, these things are not profound, They're not profound. They're about as simple as picking up some bread and eating it. But if we don't do it, we will not feed our souls. The last truth on how to practically eat the bread of life is this. We obey Jesus. If he says something in his word, then we obey him. We do it. Remember in John chapter four, Jesus was with the woman at the well. And he was exhausted and he needed food and he needed water. And so he just sat down at the well and the disciples were like, hey, we'll go get you food. You stay here, Jesus, you're in bad shape. We'll go get you food. And Jesus begins to talk with this woman at the well and they have this conversation and the disciples come back and they're like, did somebody give you food, Jesus? And and Jesus says something so profound. He says, I have food to eat that you don't know about. My food, what nourishes my soul, is to do the will of my father. And what Jesus is saying is what fuels his soul is obeying God. Now, listen, we have bought the lie of the serpent in the garden of Eden that says, if you obey God, if you obey his word, you will miss out. You will suffer. You will lack when in reality there was a true, there were, every tree of the garden was available for them. Satan was like, what you need is to disobey God and eat this one tree. That is the same lie today, that if we obey Jesus, we will miss out on life. But Jesus says, do you know what feeds and satisfies my soul? Obeying God. That is like food for my soul. And listen, we all know this. If you've walked with Jesus, you know this. We've all given in to temptation. We've given in to disobedience. And what's it like for our soul? It's worse than junk food on our soul. It, it, it goes down and our soul is sick. But when you obey God, when you're walking with God, when you're walking in the spirit, when you are denying your flesh and the world and the temptations of Satan, It is like joy and life to your bones. There is nothing better than obeying Jesus. That is food for your soul. And so the five simple ways that we know we can eat the bread of life is to believe Jesus. It's to read his word. It's to pray and commune with God. It's to be in community and it's to obey him. These are five ways that are so simple that are ways that we can actively eat and nourish our souls on Jesus. And so we've noticed the richness of the bread of life. We've heard the invitation to eat the bread of life. And third and last, 
I want us to notice the satisfaction in the bread of life. The satisfaction the bread of life provides. So again, let's, let's read our verse. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Never hunger and never thirst. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who comes to me will never thirst. Jesus is saying, when you understand what I'm, what I'm getting at when I say I'm the bread of life, and, and when you actually come and you do those five things and you feed your soul on me, there is a result for your soul that you won't believe. Your soul will never hunger and you will never thirst. Now, as a way to flesh this idea out, um, I want us to walk through just four different Psalms together. Psalms that communicate this very idea of feeding on God, of him being our portion and what it does to our souls that we would never hunger and never thirst. So we're really gonna close by looking at four Psalms together, four examples in scripture of what it's like to, to feed and feast on the Lord and that satisfaction it provides. The first one is Psalm chapter four. Psalm chapter four, we'll read Psalm four, verse seven. This is David and he's speaking to God. And this is what he says. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. You have put more joy in my heart than, than anybody else's amount of grain and wine. And what he's getting at is there is more joy when we commune with God than all the bread and all the wine, all the goodness and richness this life has to offer. It doesn't compare. It does not compare with feasting on our God. You know, it's, it's a common lie of Satan that when you walk with God, there's no joy. It's just duty. You just need to obey. You just need to suck it up and obey God and be miserable until heaven. And then maybe it'll be worth it. And the lie is it's not even worth it. Just live for this life. Eat and drink here today for tomorrow we die. But David is testifying to us. And when we read it, the spirit of God rejoices and says yes and amen, that no, when we walk with God, there is more joy. There is more joy in the presence of God and feeding on Jesus and his word and his promises and the gospel of what he has done for us. There is more joy in Jesus than anything else. And I just want to say, if you've not, if you haven't experienced that, if your relationship with God is more marked by just dry duty and responsibility, I'm just going to tell you, 
you haven't tasted the real thing. Because if you have, you would say the love of God is better than life itself. That is what the soul of one who has believed and has come from death to life testifies about Jesus. He's better. And if that hasn't been you, listen, I lived 21 years intellectually knowing these things and trying to obey these things, but it wasn't really good. My soul was still dead. I had a heart that loved myself more than God. But when I finally understood that I, even in my righteousness and all of my good deeds, it couldn't save me. And only Jesus could save me. Only the blood of Jesus could wash me from my pride and my self-righteousness. And when I believed that truth, oh my goodness, you guys, all of a sudden, God was better than life itself. And this book was better than any food and any treasure I had ever experienced. I just wanted to feast on the words of God. And as I did that, the spirit of God just fueled and fed and satisfied my soul. That is what it's like to come to Jesus, to have more joy because your soul is feasting in the right place on the Lord. That's what it's like to never thirst and to never hunger. The second Psalm I want us to look at is Psalm 34. Psalm 34, we'll just read a few verses. We'll read eight through 10. I'll be honest, um, this sermon came, um, well, first and foremost, I, I knew I wasn't doing justice to this verse. And then last Sunday, I got a text from Doug Stoltz, who is a beloved saint here. And he said, hey, the sermon was pretty good. But if, if you would have ended with this verse, it would have been a really good sermon. And it, it was, he was just joking, but it just helped me slow down a minute and say, he's right. There's more here. We need to chew on this a little bit. And so this was, uh, this points from Doug, Psalm 34, verse eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Now, here's the essence of this verse. It is not enough to just intellectually agree Jesus is the only way to be saved and to wash away our sin. And he's the son of God. And I agree with that. It's not Christianity. Christianity does not only reside in our brains, though it does. There's something more than just agreeing with right thoughts about God. What is it? Well, in verse eight, it says, taste, taste, taste. What is a true walk with God? What is it to feed on Jesus? It's to experience something something that you can't always even articulate. It's just something like on your tongue, just goodness to taste God, to experience his goodness, to just let it sit there 
in your mouth and just that experience you get when you are tasting something so good, you don't even want to swallow it because that is it's so good. That is what it's like to walk with God, to experience Jesus, to come to him every single day to say, God, I need you and I want to feast on you today. The third Psalm I want us to look at, Psalm 63. Psalm 63, one through three. Now these next two Psalms get at something that um, you may even be asking right now. Well, Jesus, you said when we come to you, we'll never hunger and we'll never thirst. Really, Jesus? Because I came to you and, and I believe you saved me and you changed my soul. But there are days when my soul is hungry and my soul is thirsty. And this book just doesn't yield bread for me. And my heart is just overwhelmed and I don't understand it. There are days like that. Now this Psalm speaks to that reality. Let's look at uh, verses one through three. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Listen, David knew the Lord. He's the same one who wrote those other passages. More joy, more satisfaction. But there are still days before we, we will see God face to face, before we're in heaven, before we're given bodies that no longer break down and emotions and chemicals in our brains and glands. Before all of this is fixed, there will be days When you go to God and you say, God, I feel like I'm in a land with no water. I'm thirsty, God. I need you, God. I'm, I'm dying here. Earnestly, I seek you. And what does he do? Verse two, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. He's saying, I don't always experience that, but what am I gonna do? We see this in other Psalms. He speaks to his own soul. No soul, remember who God is. And in fact, body, I'm gonna get myself to church. I'm gonna get myself to open the word of God. I'm gonna, I am gonna use my will and I'm gonna open up the very words of God and I'm gonna go be with the people of God. And I trust that one day I, I will experience this again. And even though I don't experience it yet, I'm still going to praise you. And then actually look at verse five, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. It's going to come. I know that satisfaction will come. I don't know how long the season of dryness and hunger will last, but it's gonna come. And so when Jesus says, you will never hunger and never thirst, he's not saying you won't have days where you are experiencing hunger and thirst. What he's saying, what Jesus is saying in John 6, 35 is not so much a reflection upon our daily life here, 
as it is a reflection upon who he is. What he's saying is I will always be here. I will always be good. I will always be able to feed you and satisfy you. He's saying, when you come to this well, it won't be, it won't be dry. When you come to this bread, I'm not gonna stiff arm you and say, no bread for you today. If you go to Jesus, you will always find food and water. Now, we don't always perfectly go to Jesus. Sometimes, in fact, David often would be foolish and he would be in sin and he would experience the consequences of his sin and he would try to get with God, but his life, he was still in fallen flesh and he couldn't always perfectly get to Jesus. But this is a statement that I, who I am, I am perfect. I'm the bread of life. I will always be able to satisfy you. I will always be able to feed you and give you uh, water for your soul. And the day is coming when you will see him face to face, if you've believed in him and you will receive a new body that will never experience this type of soul hunger and soul lack. And he will feed you and that river of the water of life will be there forever. Jesus will satisfy your soul. And the last Psalm I want us to look at is Psalm 73. Along the same lines, but this is one that I personally go to a lot. Psalm 73, verse 26. What does it look like to be satisfied in Jesus? Psalm 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart. And what is it? And my portion forever. He is the strength of my heart and the portion, my portion forever. So Lord, I just want to ask you right now that you will use your word, the truths in your word to bring satisfaction and rest and fuel. It would bring the the right healing, the right recovery that some of our souls may need. Where else would we go, Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. You are the bread of life. And so we want to come to you. We believe in you, Jesus. Lord, if there is someone who has not yet believed, who has not yet come to you, who has not yet turned from their own ways and clung to you, Jesus, and tasted your goodness, I pray, Holy Spirit, please give them a taste. Woo them to yourself. May they come. May they believe in you. Even now as they hear my words, please, God, let them taste and see. And for someone who has, who has remembered those days when they used to feed on you and you were so good and you were so satisfying, but it's been a while. God, I pray that you will satisfy them. I pray that you will satisfy them. 
Lord, if any of us have been feeding on food that is far less than you, if we've been feeding our souls with junk, please, God, would we turn from those things? Would we confess those things to you and a brother or sister? And would we today come back to Jesus? I want to obey you. I want to walk with you. I want to feed on the very obedience, the will of God for my life. I want to obey you, God. I I want that to be my food. Lead us, Jesus, like wandering sheep back to green pastures and still waters and restore our soul. For you are the bread of life. We come to you so that we will never hunger and we will never thirst.